0: Week, we're recording the Bruins beat here on CLNS Media. I am your host, Jimmy Murphy, and the reason we are a bit early in recording is, well, we need to preview uh, the upcoming Stanley Cup playoffs, and more specifically, the Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs, two division rivals, longtime rivals, original six rivals, squaring off uh, for the second time in the last five years in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And to give us a Toronto perspective, and an outside perspective on the series. Joining me now is my, my old friend and colleague. I've known him for a while since I've been covering the game, and he's from the Toronto Star, and that's Kevin McGran. Mr. McGran, my fellow Celiac friend, how are you?
1: <laughs> well, I'm excellent. Uh, doing my best to get through it. How are you?
0: I'm doing all right. Like I was just saying to you off the air, um, I'm going to have to take you for lunch uh, to one of my favorite haunts across from TD Garden, poor. Porter's Pub, we'll probably end up for after, uh, after game cocktails as well, but, uh, they have a great gluten free menu, and I, to this point, and I'm not a huge pizza guy, and that was one of the things I focused on when being diagnosed with celiac three years ago, was I'm gonna have to find the best gluten free pizza, and I've done my research, and <laughs> to this point, Porter's Pub, uh, or Porter's Bar and Grills, they like to be called, they have the best gluten-free, and the reason is just the dough, and as you can probably relate, it's very hard to find good gluten-free dough, isn't
1: it? Uh, yeah, I've been pretty much disappointed. I'm almost off bread entirely because uh, because the uh, it just doesn't stand up to what wheat's all about, and so yep. you, know, you, you sort of move off and you find other things to eat. Unfortunately, in my case, it's been a lot of French fries. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, you know, potato products are, yeah. are, are Go free with obviously obviously. Right? but yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, a, a good pizza is something that, you know, Boston's kind of famous for. There's a few places around there that are good. New York, Chicago, places I go. And it's, uh, it's always a treat if you can find a really good pizza place.
0: For sure. And that we will do. And, uh, we'll also have a, uh, like I said, a couple of post-game, uh, beverages. But listen, let's, let's get into this. I mean, I'm going to tell you from the Boston side, Kevin, and I want to kind of get the perspective of what it was like in Toronto. Um, it seemed to be the way the Bruins play now. Of course, I know they were banged up and they were exhausted, and they played so many games in the final month and a half. I get that, and that's going to wear on you physically and mentally. But it just seemed the way they were playing, and then also just a, there was a there was a general feel amongst a lot of media or maybe some in the, the talk radio biz around here that they wanted Toronto, bring on Toronto, we'll we'll wipe them off the ice, and we'll get them. And you know, is it? Is it started to materialize and it looks more and more like they were going to face them, then, they, you know, there's that little situation there where they had a chance to actually seal the conference in the division and face New Jersey instead. They're like, oh, you know, it's no big deal. I I think those people are nuts, uh, Kevin, and I, I, I really think this is going to be a, a tough, tough series for the Boston Bruins. I think out of any of the potential opponents, Philly, Jersey, or Toronto, I think Toronto going in, and I still think it was – the one I didn't want. I, I think they match up well against the Bruins in, in their favor, and we'll see. I'll give my prediction a little, but I want to get sort of the perspective heading in from the uh, from the other side there in Toronto.
1: Yeah, well, it was, certainly was a, a pretty good series between them all year. I think the one thing that's of interest, of interest to know, Austin Matthews only played in one of those games, and the one game he did play was the one game the Leafs lost, and Austin Matthews did not play particularly well. Notable out of that was how great he played the very next game because it was pretty much noticed how much Patrice Bergeron schooled him head to head. And that a, a, was a big wake up call for the kid to know exactly what's coming. And he's been talking about that all week. Um, that's the big question. How is Austin Matthews going to fare against Patrice Bergeron? Cause that's the matchup Bruce Cassidy is going to want. Uh, another one going against Cadre. He's got a lot of experience defensively. Tyler Bozak too. And, and even Thomas Lekanich is a is a tough guy in the fourth line. I think, I think from a boss perspective, you want to you want to uh, pick away at the at the youth of the Leafs. Um, from a Toronto perspective, you want to use your speed and see if you can get around some of the uh, older Bruins. Although I don't think the Bruins get quite the credit for being a young team, because in, in the, you know, the names you keep hearing from afar, are the names you've been hearing for the last five, ten years or so. I think from a Toronto perspective, I, I think they think they can win this series. I, I my prediction in the Toronto Star is that they will win it. Um, and I hope that doesn't make me a homer in the ears of your listeners because last year I picked the Washington Capitals to beat the Maple Leafs in six, and that proved to be exactly the case, five games in overtime. This league team is very young, very hungry, very good. Um, Mike Babcock has his A lineup. He hasn't had it a great deal. He's got players playing in the right positions, Mm -hmm. on the right lines, um, the Maple Leafs have three lines. Each, each line has a 30 goal scorer on it. I'm not sure many teams can, can boast that of three different lines. Both power plays come at you in different ways. Um, and the one guy that hardly gets any recognition around the league, I think, is Mitch Marner, and he might be the Maple Leafs best player. He's certainly a game breaker. He is so elusive with the puck. He's so fast. He's so tricky. Uh, the goalies don't know if he's going to pass or shoot and if they do guess he's going to pass they don't know which player it's going to go to they got a lot of offensive weapons when they get into the other zone Um, so I think it's going to be I think the Leafs in six only because I like them to win it at home but if it was seven and six of them went to overtime it wouldn't surprise me in the least
0: well yeah we must be great minds alike that's what I have them in I have the Leafs in six as well and I'm I'm taking, and will continue to take a lot of heat, and probably more so if I'm wrong. Um, but you know, hey, for Bruins fans, the last time I picked against the Bruins in the opening round was uh, that last Toronto series, uh, way back in 2013, and we all know who that went uh, for the Leafs. I'm sure. Oh, really, really, I can't remember it. Yeah, um, yeah. Leafs played the Bruins in 13. Yeah, yeah, right. Doesn't, not, doesn't ring a bell. Doesn't yeah, ring a bell. I'm sure. I'm sure that's not coming up at all right now up there. What, I mean. <laughs> What is that like right now that whole series uh you know in terms of the the spotlight in, in media conversation and fans and and just the hype around that and is there sort of a we owe them revenge we got to get one for that 2010 2013 loss is that is that the mentality right now amongst the fans at least
1: I think uh, I think some of the fans think that way I'm pretty sure the players don't Right, I think there's only five or six players left over from uh, on the Leaf team and on the Bruins team that were there. What I, I find interesting about that,
0: too, in James yeah,
1: James. <laughs> yeah, well, what's interesting about the the players left over on the Leaf perspective, they were the core players then, and they are not the core players now. Uh, the core players it's are a completely or different or the group. The yeah, and in, in Boston, the core pretty much remains the same. Yeah. Corey Krug was on that team; he's more important now. Um, but yeah, it's it's a uh, you know, the the Leafs players left over are are the third liners for the most part, and the second pair defensemen. And the Brewers left over is still the first line, the top pairs. So, um, you know, it, it's a and and there's also a little bit of you know a longer look back now in Toronto because if you remember the beginning of that series, the Leafs I don't think had beaten Boston at all that year, and no one gave them much of a chance to uh, to win a game that series, much less take it, and to go. To go seven games and lose an overtime in the grand scheme yeah, of things for yeah. that team. Yeah. And they but, were down three one.
0: Too. The way they lost game.
1: They yeah, they were down three one, they win five six and they're up four one in the third period and seven. So to blow that is one for the ages. Uh if I remember it. Like I said, I'm not sure I remember it. Um not being facetious. But yeah, but in the grand scheme of things it was a victory for that team, but they never did recover and most of the key players are gone.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: You know, and I think another
0: thing that, you know, in terms of what's different and what's the same, I mean on the Bruins side you've got the same goalie in Tuka Rask and he went on to have a very nice run in that playoffs as the Bruins went all the way to game six of the Stanley Cup final before losing to the Blackhawks. But it was doing a two goal
1: lead in the third period, I believe.
0: Yes, they did. Kinda of like the way they, <laughs> they survived in the uh <laughs> in the first round. <laughs> But I don't put. See, here's the thing, and you'll you'll notice it when you're down here, Kevin. And I don't know if you've already seen it in any of your visits here in the last few years since, but I mean that guy can't win in this town right now. He could have he could have a Vezina Trophy season, which he was approaching that at times, but he had some injuries. But I mean, he could just be lights out, and it's still always going to be Tuka's fault. He could. I'm telling you, he could still go on and win a Stanley Cup and a Conn Smythe. And I still think he'll be the scapegoat here if they go off to an only three start next year. It's unreal. Of
1: all, of all the things in the Leaf, uh, Bruin rivalry through the years, the Tuka Rask for Andrew Raycroft trade is what gets Leaf Fence in the craw the most because what the Leafs have lacked for the last 10 years until they is. got Freddie Anderson was a number one goalie and they look long and Leaf Fence just look longingly at that trade and go, by God, and they might have suffered for two years while they waited for him to develop in Finland. But that, that kid's got everything going for him. He's a top 10 goalie in the league over the past decade. So, uh, I mean, I get it. Some players never quite get the respect they deserve from their, from their own fan base. Uh, you know, Jake Gardner's a case in point here in Toronto. He, he's a terrific talent, plays the most minutes of any defenseman, but he's prone to a giveaway now and then, largely because he's the guy with the puck. I mean, the guys without the puck never give it away because they never have the puck. Right. So, you know, people don't, they, they remember what they see, they don't necessarily remember all the other stuff, or you take note of all the other stuff. So, Jake Gardner's that guy in Toronto that never quite gets the credit for being the kind of player he is, because the gaps when he makes them, they're, they're kind of awful. Yeah, I
0: hear you, I hear you, it's kind of like, uh, Brandon But college. you wish other players had that kind of talent, and, yeah. and play,
1: and he plays to a high level. I'm not. I'm not trying to say anything bad about it. I mean, it does make me laugh sometimes. But, but I, I think I'd I, I'd rather him on my team than a lot of other defensemen. I hear
0: you, and I'd rather Tuukka on my team than a lot of other defensemen as well. You mentioned Freddie Anderson there, and he's had an amazing season. I was listening uh, earlier today before we got on. Uh, former Bruin, and uh, we bring up that trade, uh, and lead goalie Andrew Raycroft was uh, on talking about the fact. I guess uh, Anderson. What did he break Raycroft's record for single season wins by a goalie? Yeah,
1: yeah. Raycroft uh, tied um, in his time here, in his first season here, he tied uh, Ed Belfort at 37 wins, right. and uh, Freddie got number 38 this year. So yeah, Freddie now owns the franchise record for most wins by a goalie in a 101-year-old franchise.
0: Wow. And let me ask you this. Why, why is it that maybe, I think he's getting your respect from everything I hear. You know, I'll tune into the shows up there, and I'll listen to some of our colleagues, and He seems to be getting the respect there. But he's, to me, he's sort of a – I don't know if secret weapon is is too strong a a term, but he's definitely flying under the radar as we go into this series, uh, I think, here in Boston and around the league. And I I think he deserves a lot more props than he's getting.
1: Yeah, and if you want to just sort of take this back to 2013, uh, he's basically Phil Kessel. He's kind of what the Leafs got in the Phil Kessel trade in a roundabout way. When the Leafs ultimately traded, uh, ultimately traded Kessel to the Penguins, they got Kasperi Kapanen and, uh, a Penguins first round pick. Right. uh, The year they won the cup. The next year they traded that pick to Anaheim for Freddie Anderson. So Kapanen and Anderson are the Phil Kessel in, uh, in the, in the narrative of uh, this Boston Toronto series.
0: Unreal. In real life, it's all somehow connected, right? Everything links together. Everything links together. <laughs> give, give Bruins fans uh, a, a player, whether it's a rookie or a young player. Maybe you know they're probably not too familiar with, but someone you could see playing a, a good secondary role, so to speak, a good depth role, uh, and really maybe have, one of those guys. We see it in every first-round playoff series. A guy comes out of nowhere. Who's a guy like that? Maybe on the lease that we should look out for.
1: Uh, well that's a really good question. A guy that you're gonna re- be really impressed with if you haven't really been playing close attention with at least, he's the first line left winger, Zach Hyman. This guy's just a bulldozer. And he do- he does stuff, he just never stops digging for the puck. He just never stops. Offense, defense, uh, he's, he's one of my votes for a uh, sulky, uh, for the defensive forward. He plays more shorthanded minutes than anybody in the league as at forward. He just, he just does everything. Doesn't score a lot. Doesn't get a lot of assists. He plays with Matthews and Newhander, and he still doesn't produce that much. He got 15 goals this year, which is good for him. Uh, mm-hmm. he's one of those guys that is just, he, he doesn't even annoy other teams. He doesn't get under the skin like a Leo Komarov that I'm sure you're familiar with. He plays kind of a, the, the game without the goals. Uh, <laughs> Zach Hyman, Zach Hyman is, 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 uh, just that, that presence that you're just gonna go, who is this guy? Now another one, I'm gonna give you two names to watch for on the fourth line. The guy who's starting on the fourth line is Kasperi Kapanen, again, the guy they got in the Castle trade with Pittsburgh, uh, okay. who's got amazing, amazing speed. And they got a guy, the first the first go-in if anybody gets injured is Andreas Janssen. who's actually a bit of an older player. He's a rookie. He only played, uh, he got called up near the trade deadline, and and uh, he's about 23. But he has got amazing speed, and he can score, and he's got – Everything Zach Hyman's got going for him, except with the ability to score. He's a small player, and if he gets inserted into the lineup, it's because at the least they're looking for more speed against Boston, and he'll play in the fourth line, but it'll feel like a first line. Yeah. Um, because he, he was, I think, among the lead leaders in the AHL when they called him up, and he has the ability to change a game in, on a fourth line if they really wanted him to. So they're, they've got really, really good depth, but those are some guys that you might not have heard of that. That that could certainly come through.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And you brought up uh, kind of Komarov playing uh, the Martian role, but without the goals. One way I, I see the Leafs, and I'm sure they're they're already planning on it. You know, Babcock. I mean, he's a genius. Is is getting under Martian's skin could be a big thing for them, and and making him take unnecessary penalties or doing something stupid. Where unfortunately, we've seen him still do too often, uh, and it's amazing it's still happening because. I mean, I don't know about you, Kevin, but I, I just look, I, I, I praise this kid left and right. He's become a superstar if he wants to be it. He needs to embrace that role. He needs to ditch the, the dumb stuff, but he's not doing that. And I think that could be an advantage that the Leafs have going in, is maybe getting under uh, the skin of Martian, or even Char to an extent. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I don't think, they, I, I, I like Chara's, uh leadership ability. I don't think we'll get Get under Hinskid. I think what they' they'll try to do if they can get around them they'll go, they'll fly by him but yeah. as for marchand, I think that's part of the reason that that Bruce Cassidy won the play against the, the Matthews line because those guys don't really get under your skin they just they dig but they they don't they don't matter they don't come at you they don't hack they don't do those things if once um the Kadri line goes out against uh goes out against marchand and that'll happen in in Toronto Kadri has that ability Kadri's oh, got yeah. The, the, the Marshawn jeans in him, and, and, and he, he can score too. He can keep pace with, with Marshawn goal for goal probably. Um, so there's that. But the, the wild card in this, and you tell me about this one, I, I wrote a little bit about it today, is Thomas Lukanich. For whatever reason, and I don't fully know, and I asked Claude Julian about it, Brad Marshawn hates Thomas Lukanich. And I think one of the reasons the Leafs picked up Thomas Placanis from Montreal at the trade deadline was because they knew they'd have to go through Boston at some point. And so now they've got Placanis. He's centering the fourth line, but he's a really good, uh, smart player defensively. And, and maybe there's some magic ingredient that he brings against Marchand when he can get out there that gets under uh, Marchand's skin. but. You've seen them a lot uh, play each other a lot more than I have. So what's what's the backstory there? Why does Brad Marchand hate Thomas Plekanec?
0: You know what? Um, that's a great point, and it's funny. A, a reporter brought that up to Cassidy yesterday, saying, "Look, you know, the Leafs kind of uh, even hinted at the fact that that was one of the reasons they went out and got Plekanec was just because he played so well against the Bruins." And you're right, he can get under the skin of Brad Marchand. I just think it's that he, you know, you gotta. Whether you like him or not, and he's not the most exciting player, but he's been a consistent player over time. And I think he's, you know, he's faced Marsham so many times. He's faced him in a couple of playoff battles as well. I just think that he's such a good defensive forward. Um, and that, you know, he's just got sort of this aura about him that when he goes out there, I think he's in Marsham's head that, man, this guy's going to be tough to get around. This guy's going to be tough to do my thing on. And we've seen that sort of develop in the series they've had, whether it be, you know, 2011 or 2014, the one the Canadians won, um, where that's just been a thorn in Marchand's side. But, I, like, the thing, like, going back to Marchand, and, you know, it seems that this is a big theme here, um, I think hmm. that he's shown times, Kevin, where he can overcome the mental blocks or the brain farts. You know, he, he's shown times where he can overcome facing a guy that's been a nemesis to him. And I think that's why the Bruins as a team, as an organization, and I think their fans as well, are really going to be focused in on him right now because they're looking at this guy like, hey, Brad, you're a superstar. you got to play like one when it counts. And he hasn't always done that. He did it in 2011, but he hasn't always done that. And I think they're really interested to see if uh, maybe this year with the season he's had point-wise, uh, if he can do that.
1: And I'll, and I'll be interested to see if, if uh, Mike Babcock, the Leafs coach, has figured out something against uh, Bergeron and, and, uh, Marchand together, having coached them, Bergeron so many times at the national level and, and, and Marchon last time at the World Cup with, with, uh, uh what was Canada's best line, and Bergeron, Marchand and, and Sydney Crosby. So maybe, I uh, mean, Babcock has nothing but high praise and, and nice words to say about those two. Yeah. And I think they, I think those two are, are probably going to be the focus of, of the least attention. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if uh, Boston has any success, if that line has any success, that we'll see the Leafs, uh, we'll see Babcock just move his lines around and uh, have all kinds of different players play with Matthews who might have a better chance at defending that tandem than the two that they have who have more chances uh, going on offense.
0: I think that's a great point. And I think Babcock versus Cassidy is going to be a very interesting, you know, Inner game of this series. I, I think that they, you know, let's see the chess match they get into. I mean, let's, let's not forget. I mean, Bruce Cassidy was out of the game for a while. Mike Badcock during that time has become uh, one of, if not the best coaches around. And, you know, he's well known there and we, we all know what Toronto did to get him there and the contract he signed. And now you, you see Bruce Cassidy with what he's done in just of a year and a half, a year and a quarter with this team has been amazing. But let's see what happens in a series like this. I think that's going to be another great matchup. Just finishing it all off, though, my biggest factor, one of the the re- probably the major reason I'm picking the Leafs to win in six was I had a, a great conversation with Russ Conway, the uh, Hall of Fame hockey scribe here, based in Boston. Uh, he's still around; we still keep in touch, and. You know, he said, watch out for Austin Matthews right now. And he said, I'm not just saying that because of the obvious, he's he's a budding superstar, but also the guy's been rested for almost a month. You know, he had that <laughs> that rest. And he, he he made a great analogy. He circled back to nineteen eighty eight and I totally forgot this. In nineteen eighty eight, Gretzky went into the playoffs with a month off as well, and he had a couple games under his belt as the season wound down, but he had a month off and of course you know, the Oilers ended up beating the Bruins in the Stanley Cup there, and Gretzky was obviously a major factor, but he himself credited that month off. He said, if I mm. don't have that, I don't think I'm able to perform at the level I did. And that just refreshed me so much, and I felt like a new guy when I went into the playoffs.
1: Uh, that's that's a really good point. When, when I, I mean, I've I've grown up in Toronto. I've lived in Toronto. I've, I've covered the Leafs. Uh, this is my, my second go-around, uh, 12 or 13 years with them uh I've covered Leafs in the playoffs I've covered the Leafs in um in <laughs> not in the playoffs um and they have really not been outside of a dalliance in the 90s and a dalliance in the early 2000s they've really not been a contender but the more I watch Austin Matthews the more I believe that young man is getting his name on the Stanley Cup come hell or high water yeah. if he's a Toronto Maple Leaf then the dread's going to be over sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, he is he is just driven. Uh there is no off button with him. Um, and uh if he, he the, the question this year, I mean he missed he missed 20 games with three different injuries. So the question is is he is he a durable player or not? But um, uh he is certainly driven and he's got the talent He's got top five talent and top five drives. So he's a top five player in the NHL in my books or, or will be very shortly. Um, uh, yeah, so he is, he is the, uh, Mitch, as great a season as Mitch Marner had and his otherworldly moves that Mitch Marner makes, Austin Matthews is, He's got the best qualities of the best players in the NHL. I'm not going to say that he's as good as Crosby, but he's got Crosby-like qualities. I'm not going to say he's as good as Jonathan Taze at his height, but he's got Taze like qualities. He's got uh, Jack Eichel-like qualities. He's got Connor McDavid-like qualities, and they all add up into a kid by the name of Austin Matthews who, for whatever reason, if you take the puck from him, he's getting it back off of you. You just watch him pursue the puck carrier. Through neutral zones, he'll, the, the, the guy never gets back to his own end. He's not; he'll never get credit as a self defensive player, but he's really, really good at getting the puck back and turning the play the other way. And fooling defensemen, he's got a hard shot; he can fool the goalies. He scored 34 goals this year, which doesn't sound like a lot. He missed 20 games on a goals per game basis. He's right up there with Ovechkin and Lainey. Um So, uh, you know, that's him—the the best player on the on, on this team—and uh I, I firmly believe. He is driven to win and will.
0: Yeah, I'm. you know what, I'm with you on that, and I, I, I think he's going to be in that category someday with the likes of Gretzky and Crosby and Ovechkin. I think he's going to be up there with those guys someday. I'll tell you one reason, though, if it, if, you know, and, hey, it's more money for me because I'm freelancing, so the farther the Bruins go, the better for me. So for Bruins fans out there, don't get me wrong. I'd like to see them win, but um one reason they will win, though, if they, if they do get it would be the guy that, that burnt the Leafs before, and, and that's Patrice Bergeron. And and Kev, I mean, you know, and, and it's, I think for Bruins fans, sometimes they don't realize just how respected he is in other markets as well and, and how appreciated he is uh, around Canada as one of the best players around. And, um, you know, I'm sure that the Leafs right now are fearing what he could do to them uh, in this series.
1: I remember talking to him, and I've talked to him a few times about that that 2013 Game 7 and the goal he scored in the third period. Uh, I said 99 more times he couldn't duplicate it because it was a seeing-eye shot. Uh, But, you know, maybe he can, and maybe he will, and maybe he'll do it again for sure.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Hey, listen, Kev, always a pleasure, my friend. And uh, like I said, I'm going to take you to Porter's when you get down here. We'll have some great gluten-free pizza. You have safe travels to Boston. I'll see you soon.
1: Go sloucha, my friend.
0: All right, sloucha. Have a good one, buddy.